glory to you, O Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, well, we have a very short sermon here on Pentecost Sunday. As it's very clear in the readings today, God confused the language in Babel and then fixed it all up in Pentecost. So thank you. Have a nice day. Don't forget to tip your offering plate, and we'll see you next Sunday. Okay, longer version than an actual real sermon. Honestly, I, as I looked at these texts more and more and looked at them kind of together... I think these two stories before us have an awful lot in common. Babel, the story that kind of comes after the flood and after the spreading out of 
or the command to, to spread out and, and inhabit the earth again. It's, it's almost a, a new creation story that comes through that flood. But the issue here in Babel is very similar to that creation story, similar to that issue that, that was in the garden that uh, Adam and Eve wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to know good and evil, something we as humans don't seem to be able or don't have the capacity to handle in a righteous way. It's original sin all over again as the Babelites come together and, and want to make a name for themselves. They want to they take control. They want to build their way up to the heavens. God doesn't have an issue with us working together. God doesn't have an issue with diversity or unity in diversity. Unfortunately, this text has been used to justify things like apartheid, keeping different races and languages and cultures separated from each other. That is not what God is against in this text today, clearly. What God is resisting is the people's resistance of God's uh, creative initiative to spread out, to multiply, to explore, to adventure into this beautiful earth and creation that God has made. Their motive, however, is to stick together, to become the same, and that, that goes against God's command to disperse. You see, we tend to do that as humans, to be afraid of difference, To be afraid of diversity itself, and especially under pressure, we kind of tend to shrink back into our own familiar places, our own familiar enclaves. But that's not what God commands us to do. I remember being, and I've told this story before, so I apologize if you've heard it, but I remember being at the Synod Assembly. We were just there the last couple of days, many, many of us are representatives here from this church and your, and your pastors and intern and all of that. But I was at a, at a synod assembly in Tacoma years ago before I was at this church. And we were, the focus of the synod assembly was, was unity and diversity. And so in the afternoon with the workshops, we were going to have all these workshops on, on diversity, mostly taught by white people. <laughs> So we went to lunch, and we were coming back for these workshops, and as we went to lunch, I happened by this, this place. I guess I was newly here. I take that back. But I, but I had been in Tacoma before, and we happened by this place, and all these guys are standing outside in these, these sweatsuits, and they're all African-American, and they're all going into this place, this kind of club that I knew about. It was a, it was a club that was really a, a, a gift of the Holy Spirit, a, a Pentecost kind of place in itself. Uh, that by some faithful people and, and some grant money and all that had, had risen up to kind of serve the, the youth of Tacoma, give them a positive place to go and to express themselves artistically. And, and here were these young men outside this place, and so I was talking to them and asking them what, what they were doing, and they were, they were there for crump lessons. Right? This is a kind of dance that's, that's very, again, kind of a movement of the spirit of, of just kind of kind of uh, the energy from, from the ground just kind of moving up and through your body and expressing itself out through you. And so I was talking to them a little bit, and it was, it was funny because I was clearly the outsider in this group, and, and, but they invited me back. They said, hey, you should come. You should, you, should, you should come see what we're doing. They were excited about it in their matching sweatsuits, right, all together. And I went to lunch, and I, and I, you know, I kind of said, well, I've got these workshops, and I went to lunch, and I started thinking about it. Unity and diversity, and I'm going to go back to some workshops in a hotel. 
nah, <laughs> I'm going to go back and hang out with these guys. So I went back, and I, and I felt very much like an outsider. I felt like maybe I shouldn't be here. I felt like it was, it was kind of an, uh, it, there was no fear, but it was kind of an anxiety in me, like mainly that I might actually be asked to, to make some of these moves that these guys were doing. But <laughs> that would have been, that would have gotten me uninvited for sure. But it was, a, it was a beautiful moment as well to be, to, to be able to hear and to, and to kind of be, be invited to understand a different language, a different way of expressing. And I certainly got more, I think, no offense to our presenters that day, but I think I got more out of that experience than I probably would have sitting in a, in a hotel conference room listening to someone talk. Our youth trips are partly... Uh, intended for this as well, the summer servant trips that we do, is to, is to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of our enclave, to get out of the dale, as it's sometimes called here, or the bow, or whatever it might be, uh, and to get into uh, a culture and, and, and sometimes a language and, and other things that are just different, to see God's language translated in different ways so that we might, too, hear the, the diversity of God and to, and to kind of understand God more three-dimensionally as God's Spirit comes alive in those experiences of, of serving and being served. Well, the Babylites seem to be working in the spirit of pride, but really their base motivation is fear. I had a professor who used to say there are really only two base emotions in the human kind of experience, and one is fear and the other is joy. Everything else emanates from those two. But the people's desire is to remain in one place. It's contrary to God's mandate that they spread out and fill the whole earth in Genesis 1.28. It's repeated in Genesis 9.1. And even in the verse immediately preceding what we have for today, um, it says to, to the sons of Noah to spread out over the whole earth. But in fear, these Babylites want to hold together. They want to settle. They want to build a city up towards God. But God scatters them because it's God's creative intention that they move and spread and diversify. Fear and pride are not what gives them life. And so God doesn't stay up in heaven and, or strike them with a lightning bolt. God comes down. That's who God is. We know that through Christ. God comes down for their sake. It isn't a punishment. It's a, it's a continuation of God's beautiful and creative initiative here in this story. Well, fear is also a common element in the, in the hearts of the disciples on that Pentecost day. They are locked up in the room, seemingly staring at one another, not saying a word, even, even though they've walked with Jesus over three years, even though they have, have seen him raised from the dead and appearing to them and eaten with him on the beach, and even though they have watched as he ascended up into heaven. Still, it seems like they are kind of completely unmoved. They're still together. They're still protected. Now, I know Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit, I know, but, but, but they share nothing, no, no word of good news to another, not an occasional outburst to those around them, nothing at all. But then God's Spirit changes all that. Just as the, the people in Babel are scattered about the earth, 
so too will God's word scatter through the disciples' testimony as it's translated into the languages of the nations. We know from this story, by the way, that Luke tells in the book of Acts that some of the nations that are mentioned there didn't really exist yet at that time uh, when the disciples were gathered. Right? They came along a little bit later. And so, but Luke includes them to, so that we can understand that, that it wasn't just an event for that moment. It wasn't just something that we look back on in history and say, well, isn't that nice? Wasn't that cool when that happened at that time? And yeah, it was. But it's an ongoing presence for us. Luke, as he writes the book of Acts, as he starts it out here in, uh, in chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit, he intends to, to tell us that this, this, is, this was a coming element and it was present certainly in the voice of the prophets and it was certainly present in, in Jesus' presence with uh, God's people, with us. It is present now with his disciples, but it has impact to continue on into this day as well. I don't know if you know this, but some people look at Lutherans, or maybe they look at Roman Catholics, or, or uh, uh, mainline denominations, Protestants, that kind of thing, and they say, you know, you guys don't have the Spirit. There's no emotion, there's no feeling in, in you guys. Come on, what's... What's the matter with you? I had a, uh, a colleague, at, uh, a co-worker, I guess, at, at Boeing when I was a machinist there, my, my sort of personal seminary scholarship program to work there for a year and a half. And, uh, and he was Pentecostal, and he was on me all the time. He was a very, you know, very far to the end of the Pentecostal kind of uh, uh, family. That's a pretty diverse family, but very black and white about particular things. You know, my baptism didn't count because it wasn't done in this particular way. Very black and white in that way. But he would, he would talk to me and he would challenge me and, and he would kind of make me a little bit anxious as he spoke his language of faith to me. What was interesting to me kind of in, in reflecting and thinking about that, that story and that experience with him is, is while I value him and I valued his friendship, he didn't actually seem very Pentecostal. He, didn't, he only seemed to speak one language. It was very black and white. It was very particular to who he was and even to his particular church and congregation and pastor and, and all of that. It wasn't very diversified. You see, the Pentecost experience isn't what we think about as, as speaking in tongues or glossolalia or speaking in this kind of heavenly language. The wonder of Pentecost is that God, again, like in Babel, comes down to us. God doesn't draw the disciples up and draw the people who are listening them up to speak in some heavenly, otherworldly language. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not what God does. God, in, in, in the consistency of Christ coming down to us, coming to the lowest point and dying on the cross for us, God comes down and speaks into the messiness of our different cultures and, and languages and traditions and all of that. God speaks into that through the disciples. And it's a miracle that these uneducated Galileans can speak in all these different languages. And it's a miracle that all those who are gathered together can hear in their own languages. This is not the UN. They don't have those cool headphones, right, with the translators on the other side. But it's kind of an experience like that, and it's amazing, and it's wonderful, and it happens still today. It happens with me and with you. It happens with all of us. No matter how old or young you might be, we see it all the time. Talking with Kathy Bowman, who's been putting out these wonderful um, weekly uh, 
uh, faith in action things. You've seen these, right? Put your hand up. Put your, raise your hand in church. All right, here we go. Hallelujah. Right, you've seen these. And she talks about how some people who have been in this church for 30 years say, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know the Spirit was moving in that kind of a way. I didn't know Christ was speaking to people in that kind of way through us and in us. It may seem like very simple things, but when we take stock and really look at it, when we appreciate that, that our Creator who has made us, has called us and given us that language to speak, whether it be uh, through counseling or through other kinds of service or whether it be through sharing of the Word or being in, in small groups, it's amazing what the Spirit is doing. We're the only congregation I know, or we're the only um, denomination I know of in this area that has an actual congregation inside of a prison. And when Mary Lou Dahl went there, I didn't ask you to share if I could share the story, but when she went there, every time I saw her for about two weeks, she said, did I tell you that they had 10 people who were baptized? And she would tear up and she would, the power of that, of the spirit flowing, that the language of faith is spoken to those who are in prison. And those who go in this congregation and are, are ramping up with a, with a spiritual fervor to be in the women's prison as well. And to know how much that's appreciated. That people who, many who have for their lives been told they are nothing, who have been, who have been thrown away and who have, have turned you know, back towards that in, in ways that aren't acceptable, right? In, in violent ways or in criminal ways, whatever it might be, and find themselves in this place to hear the word in their language. To hear that they are children of God, which we might gloss over if we are you know, so privileged that we can feel like the Babylites sometimes. We can take care of ourselves. We can build up to God. We don't need anything. But at a, at a, at a low, low point, being incarcerated, and to hear that news that you are a child of God, that you are named and claimed, is a gift of God's Holy Spirit. When the United Nations, talked about that already, when the United Nations uh, was, got really focused on, on eliminating malaria uh, in, the, in the southern in southern parts of Africa, of the continent of Africa. They didn't talk to any religious organizations except two. The world, uh, uh, it was, a, I don't know the name of it, but the United Methodist Church, and guess who else? Lutheran World Relief. Because the Spirit was moving and we were already there and we were speaking in the language of the people and we were, we were walking beside the people there. You don't think that's a Pentecost movement? Oh, yes it is. I see it in my wife. I've been amazed by her this year. I've, it's, it sounds weird to say I've never been more proud of my wife. It sounds like something you say about your kid. But I've never, I don't think I've ever admired her more. As she works at her school and she, and she opened up a, a, a kind of a closet for resources for people to come and, and, to, and to get things. And as she, as she started to speak the language of a, of a housing project nearby her school and, and started to see what's going on and started to listen to the, to the kids, both listening and speaking, hearing. She started an after-school tutoring program and even worked my son into it when he was healthy enough. And now she's starting this, this feeding program, again, with amazing help from Kathy Bowman and other volunteers. I'm amazed to see that Pente those Pentecost moments happening. The bishop on yesterday was, was preaching, and he talked about how eaglets, when they're, when they're kind of growing up and they're, they're ready to fly, or the mother thinks they're ready to fly, 
but they don't think they're ready to fly. Have you ever seen an eagle's nest? It's kind of high up there, right? They don't have on those squirrel suits or parachutes or anything else, and they kind of look over the edge, and they're like, uh-uh, Mom, I'm not doing that. And, and he said that, that what the, the mother eagle will do is kind of stick her beak under them and just flip them out. What, what the Spirit says to those disciples on this Pentecost day and, and says to us too is, uh, and this is not what the bishop said, but it's about flipping time, right? For some of us, maybe that's what we need is a, is a Pentecost moment, is a, is a new birth and the birthday of the church, that it's about flipping time. About flipping time, we get out of that protected enclave and, and fly. About flipping time, we speak the languages that we speak to others and speak the grace of Christ to those who don't know. Because what we do know is they need it. They need to hear. They're longing for it. It's about flipping time for us to get out of the nest, some of us, right? And some of us are, and some of us are flying and soaring and, and finding that it is a life-giving purpose. It is no more a punishment in Babel from God that the people are spread out than it is for the disciples to be called out of that room and into the world. And the church from that place explodes. What does Peter do with that gift? Does he say, look at what I can do. Look at me, I'm amazing. No, he speaks immediately and gives this beautiful, wonderful, invitational sermon to to many who are gathered around him. 3,000, I'm going to jump into next week's, but 3,000 or so are, are baptized. They listen, they hear in their language. They understand that call because it's something that they have longed for. That is the gift that we have on this birthday of of our church. The gift to speak and to listen, to, to understand those who are different from us, but also to speak to those who are like us. That we may call them into this wonderful story, into this glorious grace of Jesus Christ, risen and moving and alive in the church today. Thanks be to God for this Pentecostal Lutheran church, evangelical tellers of good news. Amen.